there is a crisis of confidence in companies out there that are no longer confident that they will be able to handle a crisis. There was a recent survey that found that there is a broad vulnerability gap between awareness of threats and preparation and compared to how to actually handle them. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with Robert Burton, and he is a principal at PreparedX, and he manages a team of crisis management professionals. So he supports clients in their crisis, emergency, security, and business continuity plans when there's an event on the horizon. He is going to speak about the different types of crisis planning that you can have. And he's also a founder of the International Crisis Management Conference. So he has heard firsthand from speakers about how they manage crises at their companies, including me. That's where I first met him. So take a listen today to Robert Burton. If you work for an organization or you run an organization that knows right now that they are not ready for a crisis. for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, thank you, Molly. It's uh, great to hear from you again. Yeah, and it, you and I first met when I spoke. You put on an amazing conference, the International Crisis Management Conference. I attended it last May in Newport, Rhode Island, and you brought together a collection of such interesting people, uh, not only to speak about crisis preparedness and crisis management, but also all of your participants in the room, I found, were people from, you know, just a smattering of different organizations that you wouldn't traditionally think would need a crisis plan. But really, at the end of the day, almost every organization does. Wouldn't you agree? Well, for sure. Yes. And I appreciate you mentioning the conference. We put that on every year. Um, and uh, that was our fourth one. Uh, we have typically done them in Boston, but we brought it to Rhode Island this year. Um, and we'll be doing it again in the spring next year. So thanks for mentioning that. But um, yes, as it relates to you know plans, you're right. Um, you know, we're, we're surprised every year the type of um, individuals that come together and the, the organizations that they represent. <clears throat> and it's, um, you know, a wide breadth of, um, you know, different individuals from different sectors and all kinds of weird and wonderful businesses that you've, you know, never even thought of. Um, you know, certainly when you th start to think about, um, you know, the strawberry producers in California and they have, uh, they're concerned about protecting, um, you know, their, you know, business and their assets and, uh, you know, protecting their business from a crisis standpoint, you start to think, well, if, if the strawberry farmers are concerned about, them, about that, then certainly the Fortune 500 should be, and they, and they certainly are. Oh, they absolutely are. And I remember sitting next to someone at, at lunch and thinking to myself, hmm, I would never suspect that this company would need a crisis manager. And sure enough, not a few months later, there we are, front page, New York Times, Network News. They were in a full crisis. So I thought, what timing that that person ended up at your conference? Sure, sure. Yeah, and I think um, that you know that's a that's a great segue into you know the, the needs for a you know a crisis plan and, and you know a, a, you know the traditional way of looking at crisis planning. I've been in this business now for some 15, 16 years. The tra traditional way was to you know create a plan for you know as many scenarios that we can consider many. Com 
the common scenarios as an organization, there may be four, there may be six, there may be 10, but typically there's only a few that we're really concerned about. Um, so there would be a specific plan for each of those. But in today's world that we live in, and as, as you know from your podcast here and the work that you do uh, within this, you know, specifically in the crisis communication field, you know, we can get hit with uh, any type of event at any time. Uh, any type of crisis at any time. So we've got to be flexible. So um, in terms of planning, an organization needs to have a set of tools and resources to be able to respond quickly to any event. And uh, we certainly don't advocate uh, being specific, having specific plans, uh, although there are some instances where you know they're, they're advisable, but um, you know, cyber being one of them, and, and that's a separate team within the organization. But um, as it relates to you know just general crisis management response, uh, you need to be flexible. And Rob, you had mentioned your experience, and I couldn't go a step further in the podcast without mentioning you have a a uh, you have a, a British lilt to your accent. <laughs> yeah. So, what is your experience that brings you to crisis management um, in the U.S.? Yes, yeah, so, so it was really interesting. Uh, I was in the military back in the U.K. for thirteen years. Uh, my last four years was with special forces. Um, and then I'd spent some time doing contracting work around the world, helping organizations face uh, you know, various risks and do the physical protection side of, of people and assets. And then I moved to the States uh, some 17 years ago now uh, and really adapted those skills to helping organizations uh, prepare uh, for a myriad of events. So a lot of what we, a lot of my experience from the military, a lot of the discipline, the operational experience, uh, how we coordinate and communicate, the discipline around that um, and really helping um, you know the boardroom helping the crisis corporate crisis management team really become organized and keep that discipline so bring a lot of those military type skills but you know uh, to a corporate focus um, within that environment so th that's kind of the, you know the thousand foot view from from where I come from right right now when you say 17 years ago was there a time stamp around 9/11 that brought you into this industry or at least this country yeah, yeah it's quite interesting you say that yeah and there was a there was some uh, new rules I mean, it was just before, right around the, as after, just after 9/11 when I moved here but um, shortly afterwards there was um, an international ship or facility security code, which I know you're familiar with, the ISPS code. Mm -hmm. um, and so after I'd moved here, it was very shortly after, literally months after, um, we did a lot of work within the port space, uh, helping ports and shipping companies um, re prepare for the new, which was, you know, brought on after 9-11, the new security rules within or regulations within the space. And so we start to do a lot of work and uh, <clears throat> helping ports and port facilities and, and shipping companies, even large private yachts as well, that had to adhere to these uh, new regulations. And uh, a big part of that as well was uh, preparing the, the employees of the port or the, you know, the staff within the port or, or on these ships, preparing them for uh, various security scenarios. And so we did some exercises um, early on in that space. Um, and through those exercises, and there was a lot of companies doing security at the time, different security services. There's a lot more to the regulation than just the drills and exercises. But uh, we found we did that really well and found there was a kind of a niche in not just in that space, but in, in other spaces as well to kind of focus on just doing exercises as, as a core business. Now, we do other things outside of that, but um, we found that uh, there was a, a big gap where organizations were either not running them or they were not running them very well. Or I might even add that they're not quite clear what they need. So recently, um, I 
I was approached by a company working with a company in the petroleum sector Mm -hmm. and they came to me about a training and they wanted me to do crisis management training, which was very specific. Wasn't until we got on the call that this, this client realized they needed a tabletop exercise. So they got lost in the language between what a workshop was and a tabletop was. And it happened on the phone call. So of course I immediately think, well, I know someone that does a tabletop exercise. So I was thinking of you, but Rob, could you explain the different types of exercise? Because people think about crisis plans, they think of, oh, it's just a plan, what to do if something happens. But the exercises are quite different and the different and the resources that you provide. Could you explain them? I, I can, yes. And, and there are, you know, you can, you can certainly find a lot of information online. Um, I, I know the Department of Homeland Security, or certainly FEMA now, I think the last time I looked, they have 10 different types of exercises that they explain and the differences between them. But, and they can be, it can, you can get right. complicated with it. What are the common ones? What are the common ones that a, that a business would need? Yeah, we, we bring that down to about four or five. Okay. Uh, the, first one, the first one is a tabletop exercise, which, you know, is a really, you know, the easiest one to put together. We literally sit around the table and we discuss a problem that we may be faced with as an organization and we walk through the various stages of how we deal with that so you know limited amount of resources you know you can do them you know over a couple of hours or you can spend the day doing them depending on how much time you have Um, so that's the easiest one to put together uh, the next one is a functional exercise, a little bit more advanced. So this is where typically an organization has done a number of tabletops and they want to take it to the next level. So functional is where we have a team sat in their own environment and we have another team sat in their own environment where they're working together. So you may have a team um, at a port facility, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, and then you may have a team at the uh, port authority that may be coordinating with the facility uh, discussing an issue. So we're using you know resources in terms of our communications. You know, We're actually connecting via phones. We're using our plans uh, and we're validating you know how we're going to coordinate uh, through an issue so a little bit more advanced in terms of putting together but uh, again typically a step up from the tabletop the next one is a full-scale exercise where from top to bottom you know, we may have a team, um, again, at, uh, you know, one of our locations around the world. And, you know, it may just be an office building that's got a fire mm-hmm. or maybe some kind of event that's going on, a protest in Hong Kong, for instance, that's impacting us. <clears throat> and so then, then that scales up. So how do we, how do we activate the next team? The next team may be a regional team in Singapore. We activate that team. That team comes together. And then back at headquarters in New York, for instance, we may have to activate the senior leadership team as, as the issue becomes larger in terms of the scenario Mm -hmm. and so you've got all those teams activated lines of communication going between the two or three or the three different teams uh you may then act you know be sending messages to the board there may be a briefing for the board to keep the board up to speed with what's going on uh in the scenario and so you know more complicated in terms of you know multiple teams uh from top to bottom being coordinated through a simulated uh, exercise and again typically known as a full-scale exercise because you're validating from top to bottom okay and what would you call a corporate war game yeah we, we we come up, we put uh, those in the bracket of more strategic focused, uh, smaller game where we're focused on the board or the senior leadership team, and we're really strategizing on you know some complex, very detailed issues that we, we may be faced with. So you know less about how we come together as a team and deal with uh, you know the common issues that we may have to deal with, but more about a very challenging issue that we want to figure out how we would get through. Um, so that's typically more strategic focus, uh, less time so two three hours but with a very narrow focus on dealing with a specific challenge that we want to look at right okay now rob you had 
had mentioned a Hong, the Hong Kong protest, when those stories were happening recently, my crisis management brain immediately went to the airport yeah. where it was chaos. Chaos ensued. Now, it made me wonder, did that airport have some type of crisis plan that would help them organize a protest that happens in an airport? And I, And then recently in the news, as you and I record this, the Hard Rock Cafe in New Orleans, it's under construction. It collapsed. There's two fatalities. So many of these incidents that happen, they are the unknown unknowns that are very difficult to prepare for. Do you allow room in these plans for the unknown unknowns? Yeah, I think that's what a plan should be. So I, I know we touched on, you know, the plans early on, but, you know, what the way we look at plans now is essentially a set of tools um, mm -hmm. that allow the that allow the team to come together, activate the team, get themselves organized in those first few minutes, and really allow them to stay organized throughout the um, the event. So you know it, it's less about very specific to those scenarios because even though that may be a scenario that the um, airport has looked at in Hong Kong, um, you know they may not have gone into that much detail. Um, they probably have because they were concerned about it, but it may well be one of the scenarios that they've run. Now, will they have a 20-page document detailing what they would do in that event? Well, no, because well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine they would because it could go in so many different ways in terms of how the protest unfolds, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the collapse of a building, um, you know, in Louisiana, it could go in so many different ways in terms of how the event eventually, you know, unfolds. Um, so I think it's, you know, in this day and age, we're seeing more plans that are resources and tools that allow the team to come together and remain organized. And one of those tools, um, one of those assets within the team is a crisis coordinator mm -hmm. that manages that and really allows the team to make decisions, to go off, you know, collect information, come back and continue to work through the event throughout the life cycle um, of the emergency. So the, one of those tools is the master events list. So that is uh, basically an overview um, of what's going on. It's the facts, what we know, and the decisions that were made throughout the event. So we're logging the time and date that these things happened, um, and it allows the team to really remain on, on track in terms of their focus. Uh, there are other tools as well, um, which I'm happy to go through, but um, essentially the, the plan in, in this day and age is less about a 100-page document, which will never get reviewed or will never get looked at during the event. Right. Right. It's more. It's more about you know. Okay, we can activate the team. Who's responsible for that? How do we bring that to first step? Get the team together. Okay, the team's together within minutes now, seconds even in some cases. Okay, what what's the first step that we need to do now? Well, we need information. How do we do? So it's just really about those steps in those first moments, and then it's main. You know, it's building situational awareness, maintaining situational awareness throughout um, again the life cycle of the crisis um, or the event. And you mentioned the crisis coordinator. It sounds as if the, the crisis coordinator, an essential role, is the one that can bring it all together so you can be organized to manage the, the crisis, correct? That's exactly it. That's it's somebody, you know, and again, they don't have to be a crisis management expert at all. It's somebody who has general understanding about all areas of the organization. Um, it's somebody that um, is organized themselves, right? So um, I, I know in the past we, we've mentioned mm -hmm. in, in our own uh, 
podcasts and trainings that we've done uh, that somebody, you know, maybe with project management background, uh, you know, somebody who can, you know, crack the whip and understands, has a bit of, you know, leadership about them as well. So, but they understand how to bring the team together, remain organized, keep on track um, and document various things as you go through the event. So, yes, um, certainly an essential role that, um, and again, a backup as well. So we always think about the main role, but what if he or she is on a flight? Oh, the crisis coordinator is is not there that day. So who's the backup that can you know step in and uh, obviously be trained and ready to go as well? Because many many of these roles within the crisis team, um, you know, people think, well, I'm, I'm the lead and I'll always be there. Well, that's not the case. You need someone to be competent as a backup for your specific role. So having a plan, being organized, having a point person like a crisis co- a coordinator or a similar role will give what it sounds like um, a leadership peace of mind. So do you have examples of where you have seen the transformation working with a company or an organization that did not have a plan? And then you worked with them, you gave them a plan, and then something happened and they went into that incident more prepared and have more peace of mind. Is there some transformation story that you could share? Sure, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Um, I won't go into specifics uh, just because of and, and NDAs with all, with all our customers. Mm-hmm. I'll mention the industry. Um, so, so it's a mining client of ours, and uh, this is probably about three or four years ago. Um, we and they already had a, a plan, and again, most of these plans that we see uh, are either kind of a skeleton plan or they're plans that have not been validated, and, and that's a big part of planning as well um, is validating these plans. And so that's why the exercise, uh, the, the simulation exercises um, that you conduct are essential to, to validating the plans. And so, and it helps you, you know, build on that plan. It helps you refine the plan. And sometimes plans are just, you know, not looked at every year, uh, and so they get outdated fairly quickly. So um, this one particular client we had been there to do a tabletop exercise um, and we had been uh, in the room for about six I think it was a six hour session uh, you know great exercise you know following their procedures and protocols in terms of you know how they coordinate it was a drill where uh, we had trap miners underground Uh, we were working with the leadership above ground and again it was a tabletop so it was just simulated there was no trap miners underground but it was just simulated that there were Um, and you know we had exactly where they were trapped underground you know how they how many people they accounted for and you know we were walking through the drill Uh, and this is a serious event for them it's you know it's one of the events that I'm really concerned about well probably about three four five months later I forget exactly what it was um, this um, scenario actually happened um, and they had a fire on the ground and they followed the procedures on the ground the miners went to the various uh, locations um, and locked themselves down they have about I think it's 36 hours worth of air in these locations um, so it's, it's, it's a big issue in terms of um, you know making sure that they can get them out in time well uh, above ground there was less chaos um, so the feedback we got um, because of the drill that they conducted the leadership they were organized they came together you know there was less um, you know frantic running around like headless chickens as I call it um, and there was mo- there was more discipline um, there was a calmness about it there was better communication because of it and we got I remember getting a great email from the customer uh, you know just basically I mean it was a couple of days after the event saying that um, you know thanks to these drills uh, this team uh, felt that they were better organized they were better organized to to deal with the event so it's always great to get validation back from from the customers and obviously ultimately you know help them um, 
you know, respond in a, to a real event um, based on the simulations that we conducted, you know, some months earlier. And a mine rescue. I, I mean, of course, there was the Chilean mine rescue, you know, from almost a decade ago. Right. But yet that is a story you will always hear pop up that there are they could be in a coal mine like every once in a while you'll hear that. So it does speak to this idea of organizations yes planning for any type of crisis. And I know a lot of clients think it's just a big company that will need it, but that's not true. You would say there are a lot of mid-sized and small companies that need to plan for a crisis, correct? Yeah. And I think as, um, you know, through social media and traditional media, you know, we, we hear about, um, you know, all kinds of events that are happening to all kinds of different businesses now. And, and I think, uh, again, from, a, you know, just think about reputation um, as an investor of a small to medium-sized business, you want to know that, you, you know, you're, the organization that you've invested in um, is as strong as possible. And, you know, as as more and more of, you know, these smaller to mid-sized businesses get exposed um, because they weren't prepared and, you know, some event impacts them and it does get out on, and again, it may be local, right? It could be a local business, but still, if you're in a local community serving that community and, you know, the word gets out there that uh, there's some issue with the business because, um, you know, they didn't have a crisis plan or, you know, the issue pops up in, in the media and then they have to try and deal with that from a, you know, from a reputational standpoint. Um, so I think more, the more that happens, um, again, locally, regionally, and, and globally, I think the more that small and medium-sized businesses um, realize that, you know, they have to do something in terms of, of crisis planning. And that's certainly what we see at the International Crisis Management Conference, as you mentioned at the beginning, all kinds of, you know, you know small business owners coming, trying to find out and figure out, you know, what they're to do uh, with regards to crisis planning. And, and Rob, you do an excellent job of getting the word out about the importance of crisis planning. You're very active on social media yourself. I follow you on LinkedIn and you put um, you, you're, you put videos up, which I love seeing. You have a whiteboard Wednesday where you explain some, you know, some basic goal that you want to achieve or some needs surrounding crisis planning. So I definitely encourage my listeners to follow you on LinkedIn and, and to look up PreparedX because I consider you the, just really a premier crisis management planning uh, firm. You you cover it from A to Z. Well, we really appreciate that, Molly. I know, um, you know, loved working with you at the conference, and uh, hopefully, we'll get to you know work some work some more. Yeah, you know, I just have a passion for you know these the simulation exercises and crisis planning in general, um, and it, it's you know it, it continues through the feedback that we get from our customers. Um, you know, the, the enjoyment that we, we see, you know, we get sometimes, we, and it's quite embarrassing, you know, being, being British, but we, you know, so, so, sometimes these sessions will end and, and there'll be, you know, the, 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 um, the team that's, you know, you know, been through the session, will start clapping. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they're clapping themselves, but they're, you know, they're, but they're also <laughs> thankful and, you know, we'll get, um, we'll get thanked. Um, people will walk up to us afterwards. I mean, remember, um, again, uh, the same client actually been in a different part of the world, the mining client. Um, uh, this one gentleman has been in the industry for 37 years. And these are, you know, hardcore, hardcore miners who have been spent a lot of time on the ground, but have moved up into managerial roles. And, you know, he came up to me and said, I've been in this business 37 years. The business has been through three changes changes in ownership um and this is the best training i've ever had <laughs> and that for me that that for me was just like you know i said that's that's what that's what makes it all worthwhile to me if you've got somebody who's um been in that field for that long who comes up and, and thanks you in that way um it just makes me want to wake up in the morning and, and uh, carry on um you know doing what we do 
And I, I believe that having been in a room and seeing the people and watch every word that you say and you put together such a such a good event and a critical event that is so helpful. So many times people sit in a conference and their eyes glaze over, but you, your, your, your conference really brought some hardcore tactics and strategies that companies can use. So Rob, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and talking about the importance of simulation exercises, crisis management planning. Of course, you have your company prepared and then also the International Crisis Management Conference, which pops up uh, once a year. So Rob, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. No problem. Thanks again, Mark. I want to thank my guest, Rob Burton, for joining me today to speak about how to build confidence and resiliency when it comes to managing a crisis. You can find more information about Rob's company, preparedx.com, on his website. Thanks for joining me today. We'll speak to you next week on the Confident Communications Podcast. Bye for now.